Hello. The role of nitrogen in farming is huge, but a recent report from the Centre of Innovation and Excellence in Livestock really digs into just how important it is for protein production and highlights where nitrogen losses occur. In today's podcast, Mole Valley Farmers Head of Grassland and Forage Agronomy, Lisa Hamley, speaks with Dr Mark Young and Katerina Karpasatou from CL to learn more. This podcast will guide you from the soil up on how nitrogen can be used most efficiently on land and in animal diets. I'm Seth Conway, so let's get into this conversation, but only after I've made an appeal to you to hit subscribe on the Mole Valley Farmers podcast wherever you're listening to us today. Thanks for doing so. So here we are, nitrogen in farming. It's informative. So another interesting conversation lies ahead for us today on the Mole Valley Farmers podcast. Delighted to have Lisa, Mark and Katerina in our virtual room that we've created. Uh, hi, everyone. Mark and Katerina, if you just introduce yourselves for us, please. Thanks, Seth. Um, my name's Mark Young. I'm an innovation specialist with one of the three agritech centres called CL. And our specialty is livestock. And I'm looking forward to talking to your, your people today. Great to have you along, Mark. And Katerina. Hi, Seth. Lovely to be here. My name is Katerina Garpasitu, and I work with Mark uh, at the Centre for Innovation Excellence in Livestock. And I'm a sustainability specialist working with the rest of the team, the innovation team. Fantastic. Two eminent experts today we're going to be speaking to, along with another expert, Lisa Hamley, a familiar voice on the Mole Valley Farmers podcast. Morning, Lisa. Morning, Seth. Yeah, I'm really excited actually to be here with um, Katerina and Mark from CL. I, I recently attended a meeting where they discussed this report. I thought, oh, this is so exciting that our members and shareholders really need to know about it. So, yeah. So perhaps, Lisa, you'd be a good one to just let us know what this conversation is going to be roughly about today. Well, it, the meeting was about um, nitrogen use, um, particularly within the livestock sector. Um, and um, CL have uh, done a report uh, regarding, you know, how we can improve our nitrogen use. Um, so hopefully this will explain a little bit more of what's in the report and make it in a digestible format for our uh, farmer and shareholders. Um, so I, I asked them what I asked them, why did you do this? So perhaps I don't know, Katerina, tell us why, why, you, why you did this report. So the report mainly explores the nitrogen cycle and its various processes and it it helps us understand where the various losses of nitrogen occur within the cycle in order to prompt conversations about improving nitrogen use efficiencies and reducing nitrogen losses, therefore mitigating the various adverse impacts uh, to the triple bottom line. But Mark was uh, there from the very beginning, from the inception of the of the whole concept, so I think Mark can add to this. Yes, thank you, Katerina. The important point about finding out where the inefficiencies are is, is critical for, to help farmers. But we also wanted to add to that the idea that nitrogen is absolutely critical for um, farming, particularly for promoting plant production, but also it's an inter, inter, a key element for protein production. And so it's in the context of those things that there are some losses and we want to think about it in terms of that as a natural cycle. We're producing uh, protein, we're promoting plant growth to do that and 
that's both bringing nitrogen into the system and there's some losses and we want to look at that and it's to get a balanced view of things. Lisa, did you mean to do a pun just a minute ago? <laughs> so you're going to digest this? No, but yes. Uh, yes, I did that. Yes, obviously. Yes. yes. I'm glad, <laughs> glad to hear it. Cla- classic Lisa Hamley. Brilliant. Um, and from Mole Valley's perspective, Lisa, you say it's obviously an interesting conversation to bring to our members, mm. farmer shareholders. Um, nitrogen on farm it is so important, mm. isn't it? But it, has, it really has to be balanced, though, doesn't it? Yeah, well, it is absolutely essential, you know, and I think the challenges which, you know, we're going to go into a little bit more detail, but with livestock farmers, obviously, um, protein's vital for their diet, um, which I'm sure Mark's going to go into more. Um, but um, from a management point of view, from an agronomy point of view, which is obviously which, I, which I'm coming from, you know, we've got the, um, you know, muck and slurry that comes to the other end. So we've got to manage that and how that goes back out on the land, plus balancing the crop requirements. So ensuring that the crop's got enough um, uh, nitrogen to uh, reach its genetic potential. So the, it, it is this, exactly like Katerina says, it's a cycle and we need to make sure that we're being as efficient as possible. So hence my interest. Excellent. So Mark, um, am I right in thinking that most animals really can't make protein themselves? They need it in their diet. So where, where does nitrogen come into that? It's it's a it's a good point. There's a, there's a sort of subtlety to what you've just said that perhaps needs explaining. That proteins which animals um, make and plants make as well is made up of a chain of these things called amino acids. And there's about twenty that make up the proteins we know that come out of agriculture. And those um, twenty, ten of them are essential to have in an animal's diet because animals can't make them. They can make the others but you can't make a complete protein with the missing ones that you have to have in your diet. And so it's imperative that there's protein in the diet of animals for them to make their own protein. And ideally, the balance of the different amino acids matches what they need. So there are um, plants can make all of the amino acids and microbes can as well, but animals can't. That's the higher animals. It's a special case of ruminants, which I may go into, to a bit later but the essential idea here is that you need protein in your diet and it will be supplying some of the building blocks for your own protein that you can't make yourself. Now that's really interesting um, actually let's talk about the ruminants now because obviously lots of farmers that will be listening to this particularly dairy farmers livestock farmers um, they obviously know about the rumen um, but just tell us a little bit about about where you, the, the, the things that you've been looking into play into this. Sure so the non-ruminant animals and the main ones we farm are poultry and pigs. They have a requirement, just like humans, to have the essential amino acids to come in through their diet. The ruminants, however, the microbes living in their stomach can actually make those essential amino acids, which then pass further down the digestive tract beyond the rumen to the stomach and the intestine. And so the ruminant animal is normally digesting more microbe protein and protein that came in that it ate itself. And so the microbes there can make protein out of, um, they can change from non-essential amino acids into essential amino acids, but they can also use just nitrogen that's available to them and make, make an amino acid. And so therefore the microbes can actually be adding protein to the diet. And they say it's a dairy cow, she may be getting more protein than is um, actually in the food she's eating 
get presented at her to her at her level of her stomach and her um, small intestine. So the ruminants are unique in that they can actually eat very low quality feeds because the microbes add protein. I mean, Lisa, you know, we're getting into some um, really detailed science mm. on this, aren't we? Mm. Um, you know, for you when you're out speaking to, to, to farmers, how much do you sort of discuss the nitrogen that goes into animals directly and also into, into the plants that are growing? So I suppose what I, I'm starting from is where the, from the soil. So um, we're looking at how much nitrogen is already in the soil, how much might be available. So if you're looking at a grass and clover lay, then some of the proteins will be supplied by the clovers um, and some by the grass. Um, grass has got a requirement for nitrogen. So in that scenario, there's a there's a nice balance between the clover being fed, uh, feeding the grass. Um, but if you if you've not got clover at all, then you're looking to feed the grass, and that you you're going to require some nitrogen. In which case, um, so that very often comes from um, it, partly from slurry or or from the muck that's going on there, and then partly from a bag. So um, purchased um nitrogen so it's yeah it's really massively looking at the soil and that crops diet if you like and the nutrient plan in very much the same way as um the animal is being fed so it's really trying to balance that and, and as these you know as this report says it's um about efficiency um so you know trying to take some of the guesswork out of it i suppose i don't know what katarina marks think about that the one point i'd make is and i'm glad you brought up the importance of clover there is the clover bring nitrogen into the system through microbes living in their root nodules or rhizobium so the microbes are quite important here and i completely agree with your point about the importance of the soil in all this mm. and uh so that, clover's um, a bit like a cow then mark a bit like a <laughs> a cow so it can use the nitrogen, yeah, microbes. It's all about the microbes. Absolutely. And and just as an, an illustration about um, the rumen being able to make protein from non-organic nitrogen, the, you can treat um, straw with with, with, with nitrogen um, and, and put that into the stomach and provided the, the pH and other things are right, that can actually cause the microbes to be adding protein to a straw diet. I was just going to follow on from the biological fixation of nitrogen to say that there's another two ways of fixing nitrogen to the ground, to the soil, and that's uh, the atmospheric uh, fixation through, through lightning, and then there's the industrial uh, uh, processes through fertilizers and manures. And why is this nitrogen fixation important? Because although nitrogen is so abundant in our environment, in our natural atmosphere, it makes about, I think it's almost 78% of the air in the atmosphere, but it's in a form that plants cannot use. So we need to convert this nitrogen gas into forms, into chemical compounds that, that plants can take up and use for their growth. And that's where fertilizers and manures come in because soils don't have enough nitrogen for crops to grow quickly enough to feed mm. the, the, the whole population. 
and I think that's part of it, isn't it, Katrina? The, 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 there is a certain amount, and yes, we can provide a lot with clover, but sometimes when you've got high requirements for production, so you've got grasses that can, you know, um, have very high yields, you, you want to maximise on that yield. So that's when that balance comes in with purchased fertilisers or making sure that you're using, you know, your um, slurries to, to the maximum of their um, potential as well. Um, but, you know, there, sometimes there is a balance where where the clover can feed the crop, which can then feed the animal. But sometimes we're going to need to address that um, gap. You know, the importance of soil testing mm. is key, isn't it? Because you need to know what, what you're dealing with from the from the beginning here. Yeah, absolutely, Seth. And if you don't know what you've got, how do you know how much you've got to add to it? You know, and, and soil and I would say slurry and muck testing every single slurry and muck that comes back is different because every cow's diet is different so in which case you know the result is gonna is wildly different so if you don't know what you've got how can you um, manage it the one thing i'd add to that is it's not just simply soil isn't just a bag of chemicals there's also some other important attributes like structure and um, the form of the nitrogen and that's where a, um, a, an assessment of soil quality, soil health will look at things like structure, pore size and some other things and it's the microbes and the plants that grow in them that create some of this structure and so a healthy soil can be the same as a, a not so healthy soil chemically because it's got good structure, water holding capacity and things like that and that's where we think the use of manures offers um, an advantage over some of the artificial fertilisers because they can actually be adding um, some organic structure to to the soils with their interaction they have with the microbes there. Mm, definitely, it's all about that, making sure that biology can work well. And it's the same in the rumen, isn't it? You know, making sure that that's working efficiently. Yeah, the, the interesting thing about efficiency is... Um, the level at which you apply that. So it might be most efficient to grow a crop or to get a cow producing at a certain level, but we also have to be thinking about the efficiency across systems. And then we have to, that brings in the idea of complementarity. And so the most efficient crop production and the most efficient dairy um, um, cow production, that we may want something that's a slightly below those maximum efficiencies but together, they're more efficient than the sum of their, uh, their uh, some of their efficiencies on their own. So, for instance, that's a case of where the dairy system and the, what the animals are eating may not have as much protein as you as you they might absolutely require for very high production. Yet at the same time, they may be producing manure that's much better for putting on cropland, that sort of thing. So we have to start thinking about the complementarity of agricultural systems as well. More Valley Farmers is owned by farmers and proud to trade with a cooperative ethos. Our shareholders are at the heart of everything we do and we work with them to improve productivity, profitability and sustainability. Being a farmer shareholder brings many great benefits. You automatically earn loyalty points on essential farm inputs including compound feeds, blends, minerals, fertiliser and new for 2023, selected total crop performance products and milk replacers. 
The loyalty points bonus scheme earned Pharma shareholders nearly £300,000 in the last year, on top of over £740,000 secured by Pharma shareholders through our retail discounts. You'll also get other exclusive Pharma shareholder offers through the year. The Mole Valley Farmers newsletter posted to your door each month and, as a shareholder, you get voting rights at the annual AGM and have a say in your business. We have a farmer shareholder first approach at Mole Valley Farmers and we believe by working together, we are stronger together. For more information and to join us as a farmer shareholder, visit moleonline.com slash farmershareholder. Mole Valley Farmers, committed to UK agriculture. And for you, Katerina, I guess uh, the sustainability angle of nitrogen is is highly important, isn't it? Yes, it is. And first of all, it's important. Nitrogen is important for for healthy ecosystems and healthy agricultural systems. And at the same time, we need to be careful about how we use nitrogen and nitrogen management so that we don't harm our ecosystems. And that's where nitrogen losses come into the conversation. So nitrogen losses from the, from the cycle to the environment are inevitable. Uh, they are part of the cycle and its processes. For example, uh, nitrogen returns to the air when nitrates are converted back into atmospheric nitrogen through bacteria uh, during the process of denitrification. So natural processes lead to these losses, but the issue is, comes when we are overusing or misusing fertilizers. And that's, uh, it, this, this loss then can cause a lot of environmental degradation like eutrophication and toxicity, soil acidity, and a whole range of other problems to our water and to our biodiversity. The, the big ones that raise their head often are talking about ammonia losses, which is often to do with um, manure management. And then there's this one that you don't see called nitrous oxide. And that's um, often a function of what, um, either over, once fertilizers put on or manures are put on soils, you get this nitrous oxide given off. And that's, um, what's the um, global warming potential of that compared to carbon dioxide and methane, Katerina? I've forgotten the numbers. Yes, so nitrous oxide is one of the main greenhouse gases and that's emitted uh, during uh, fertilizer production and use. And nitrous oxide is, is the most potent of, of the three common greenhouse gases. It's 300 times more potent than carbon dioxide. And methane, which has all these, uh, it, it's, it's a very popular, which is more potent than carbon dioxide, is 30 times more potent than carbon dioxide. And then you have nitrous oxide, which is 10 times more potent than methane. And then the um, one that we often hear about is nitrate leaching into the waterways, where um, it's come from from soils. Uh, maybe there's been too much fertilizer, or there's some natural manure put on, and then there's a heavy rain, and that promotes um, aquatic plant growth, 
which takes oxygen out of the water, which has a detrimental effect and can, can even kill aquatic wildlife. Yes, and in fact, these algae that grow uh, during eutrophication uh, because of excess nitrogen in the water, there are, there's algae that can actually produce harmful toxins, and they're called harmful algal blooms, and they pose additional threats to both aquatic ecosystems and to human health when these uh, waters go into our drinking water. So um, from sort of a practical point of view, because I'm always thinking about how we can help our farmers and um, our shareholders, how, how, you know, what's the steps that we should be taking, you know, following on from your from your report? How, what's the steps, you know, that we can do from a practical level um, to help our guys, you know, make sure we're very efficient on nitrogen? It's a, it's a very good question. The report itself wasn't... Um trying to define uh, the possible solutions but the thought would be that you need to be following um, the program you said before of doing soil tests mm. working out what the um, available nitrogen is what the crop's going to need and applying the right amount of crop of, of fertilizer or manure in the right form for it to be picked up by the crop when it needs it when it comes to storage of um, manures um, it's about trying to store them in a form or perhaps adding additives to reduce the amount of emission nitro nitrogenous emissions and by nitrogen emissions I basically mean ammonia and nitrous oxide and then when it comes to feeding animals it's about getting the protein right in their diets and a classic example is if we feed a lot of protein which hasn't got the right balance to say poultry or pigs they will actually excrete, um, they'll break down and excrete the amino acids they can't use, producing urea in the pigs and uric acid in poultry, because birds produce a slightly different form of nitrogen. And so they'll actually be putting more nitrogen out into the environment. The manures will be more nitrogen rich and therefore have the potential to have more nitrogen emissions. So getting protein right is important. Now, to be fair, the nutrition industry have got a vested interest in doing that as well, because protein costs money. And so they know that if you're feeding a particular protein which doesn't have the right amino acid balance for the animals you're feeding it to, they add amino acid supplements. So they're already helping you in that regard. Um, when it comes to um, animals, you want to be feeding them enough protein for them to produce at the level you require. Don't feed them excess protein. And we've been involved in discussions with some nutrition companies lately, and they're saying that in the European, Greater European Union, we've seen some slight reductions in the amount of protein being fed to animals because the nutritionists are getting better and better at putting that right balance of amino acids in. Mm. So what I'm sort of getting from this is, you know, look at the nutrient plan, nutrition for the soil, so nutrient management plan, also visual health inspection of soils, making sure you're not getting any compaction, so you're not travelling when you shouldn't be, etc., um, making sure the soils are covered so we stop that biology working when it doesn't need to be um, so cover crops or um, just ensuring that you know no bare soils are left and then from my point of view I'm handing it over to the nutritionists because those are the guys that can work their magic um, you know when when it comes to feeding the animals is that right? Well I, I think so an agronomist is a, is a plant nutritionist aren't they mm, in some regards? Definitely. Yeah, and, and our report was about um, uh, 
nitrogen for livestock. So one of the, if we want to bring it back to the um, issue it brought up before about food production, food security is important for any country and Britain imports a lot of food. So what we want to do is make best use of the land we've got to minimise the need for that. Nitrogen is important because unlike carbohydrates and the fats, um, oils and lipids technically, but let's call them fats, they don't have any significant amounts of nitrogen. In. Most of the nitrogen in the animal's body um, is, is ending up in the protein. And so if you don't have enough nitrogen, you can't produce protein, be you a ruminant or a non-ruminant. And so it's important there that it's, that's the thing that we as humans have to have in our diet, protein. So nitrogen is a strong theme there. When it comes to food security, um, livestock are, are producing a very high quality protein. Plant proteins are lower quality and you have to supplement them with amino acids. So in terms of human nutrition, animal products specifically have a very high nutritive value. And we mustn't forget that. When people say, oh, I can get this much protein from um, other other uh, crops or other um, food products, yeah, that's fine, but it's not as high a quality in its natural form as the animal proteins, be that eggs, milk, or meat. So food security is an important thing, and when it comes to the sustainability, food, having um, high quality um, nutrition is an important part of that. I mean, there's lots of things here to consider, aren't there? But um, interesting for farmers, Lisa, to hear, you know, they'll obviously know a lot about nitrogen, but to hear what's come out of this report is is really useful, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's um, really important, you know, that we, like today, gather with uh, companies like CL to um, have these conversations because there's a lot of information that gets put to um, livestock farmers um, from all directions. Um, but what I do know is we're all on the same page um, and we're all trying to um, produce good food, as Mark's saying, um, food security and look after the landscape. And this kind of, to me, brings it all together um, in, a, in a format which is understandable and, um, yeah, uh, helpful, helpful. Mark or Katerina, if, if our farmers, member shareholders want to know a little bit more about this than we've gone into, where, where should they be looking for, for this kind of information? You, you can find this report and some other reports we've got about um, net zero carbon in livestock on our website. And our website is um, cielivestock.co.uk. And there will be, under the news section, there will be a, a, a link to these, this and other reports. We've actually got a complimentary report coming out in a few weeks' time about the importance of protein quality. And I alluded to that in my um, last comment. So we think that's complimentary because, yes, there's nitrogen and there's protein, but not all proteins are created equal. So that second report is going to deliver that last issue and emphasise why livestock proteins are of high value in our diets. Uh, we also have a two-page fact sheet. It's a summary of the key findings of the report that is available on our website, like uh, Mark mentioned earlier. So that's a, a quick overview of, of the report with some nice graphics uh, that available to the public. Mark, this, this might be slightly off topic today, but an interesting conversation 
anyway, with the rise of people going to a, a non-dairy diet or a non-meat meat diet, how important is it for the sector to be able to show the benefit of the proteins that are being created through dairy, through, through meat? It's very important. And we're actually pairing with the British Society of Animal Science to um, have a meeting um, about this and the, the value of um, animal products in human diets. And that's going to be held in London in December. So it's specifically about why they're important in their diet. You can live on an, a, 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 non, a diet without any livestock or animal products in it, but you have to be very careful about making sure you get the right sort of nutrients. It's not just protein. Um, the uh, red meat, milk and eggs also come combined with other nutrients. Um, and one of the most telling things about them is they're all highly um, digestible. So it's readily available. And just to add to that, uh, Mark, I would say if someone is on a plant-based diet, but it's also important for animal-based diets, uh, one of the things to consider is ultra-processed foods. So whether it's plant-based or animal-based, uh, that's important to eliminate. Uh, and, and so on consider. your page, Katerina, honestly, it's unbelievable yeah. once you start looking into it. That's a whole no, other podcast, that. It is, it is yes, indeed. Yes, well, you know, healthy foods, you know, and, and healthy soil creates, and I say this, and I, luckily enough, I went to a congress where we were actually talking about this whole process, healthy soil, healthy animals, healthy humans, you know, that's, that's what we're aiming for, and, and each bit is, is connected, so like you said, you know, the, the soil's um, biology is, is very much like a rumen. The cow's rumen has to be healthy, then a healthy cow, and then, you know, um, then we have healthy humans, and we need to be, yeah, I'm totally on your page there. Yeah, and it's all about balance, right? Like balance. you mentioned, Lisa, in the beginning. Yeah. That, oh, me and you I are going to have a tell Mark up whether... afterwards, I think. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about balance, what you put in and what the you take out. The interesting yeah. thing, just to come back to the ruminant animal there, is they, their gut system is designed for eating forage, or what some people call roughage. So, yes, we can talk about their ability to produce protein from non-protein um, sources and things, but they exist on, on having fibres that predominantly sort of um, part, the largest part of the diet. Non-ruminants don't need that, but we're not advocating um, eating just animal products. In human diets where we're an omnivore, we need to be eating some plant-based stuff with fibre, which, which Katerina has um, as mentioned that ultra-processed foods quite often are low in fibre. And so it's important um, to have a bit, um, a bit of everything, as it were, even though we know it, it, humans are uh, able to live on just a, um, an animal product diet, as shown by the Inuit people in the Arctic, where they, they don't have any plants whatsoever to, to speak of. But um, in this modern day and age, it's about making best use of our resources. And so we want to make sure agricultural land and our use of um, inputs is done as efficiently as possible. There are some natural leakages in that nitrogen cycle that Katerina talked about, but we shouldn't be pushing some inputs in to get high production and causing greater leak, um, much greater leakage than needs to be there. So I think in terms of optimising the system from a sustainability point of view, there's agricultural production and the complementary of different systems like having integrating livestock into a cropping um, rotation, that sort of thing. 
It's about the environmental impact, obviously, minimising those um, losses where they have harmful effects. It's about food security. And um, when it comes to farming livestock, it's also about farming in a way where we continue to get the sort of social license and the, and the pu- social license, and the public say, yes, that's a good way of farming. So there's quite a big balancing act here. You talked about um, balancing from the nitrogen point of view, Katerina. Nitrogen use efficiency in its crudest form can sometimes not tell you everything. So if I look at the amount of protein in milk and the amount of um, protein that animals, uh, cows are eating, that may not tell me what the actual nitrogen use efficiency is, mayn't it? Yeah. And that's because the animals can be gaining or losing weight. So you might look like you're getting more milk and being highly efficient early in lactation, but the cow's actually losing body weight. So um, conversely, in late lactation, the efficiency will drop, apparently, because you're feeding them and that you're getting an amount out of milk, but they're also gaining body weight. So it's nitrogen use efficiency is a great concept. It's actually sometimes hard to actually measure in a detailed way on farm. Yeah, in fact, we talk about the need to be increasing nitrogen use efficiency, but it would be better to be talking about optimizing nitrogen use efficiency because sometimes when you have very high nitrogen use efficiencies, it might be an indication of depleting the, the resource pool. For example, the soil nitrogen. Uh, that's there. a very good point. Yeah, so I, I'd forgotten about that. You're quite right. The soil that you, we talked about before, Lisa, is being so important. Um, yes, we're putting a bit of nitrogen on, we're getting lots of crop, but if the soil's getting progressively um, less nutrients in it, that's not sustainable. Mm. Yeah. I mean, and we are te- we are doing more and more tests and wider ranges of tests to, um, to benchmark because if you, again, you know, if you don't know what you've got, but you, there's no... It starts off, you know, as the legal requirement of um, once every five years. And then once people start getting into understanding soil, they want more and more different tests. And it's amazing. And and to see the interest and enthusiasm of how we can improve soils to get more from what we've already got is, um, yeah, it's it's quite it's an exciting time for us. And I think this is why this report's come at exactly the right moment to um, yeah just get us up to that next level of understanding. The, if we bring um, nitrogen's big brother into the argument, which is carbon, um, there's, there's good reasons to be looking at soil there too, because carbon stored in soil, it's part of that organic matrix, which gives you your soil pores and your um, organic structure. So I think... Um, measuring um, soils for, for key nutrients and other, other uh, aspects of uh, tell you about soil health and soil quality is a, a really critical thing for whether you're a livestock farmer or a, or a cropping farmer. I've got another point to make. Um, when it comes to using manures, I'm not sure that they're going to be the, um, the magic formula that replaces fertilisers at all. We think that what manures do is make best use of um, nutrients coming out of animal systems, but to actually get the crop yields that we would like, there's always going to be a place for some artificial uh, fertilisers, and maybe the balance of nutrients in those just needs to take account of what the manure is that you're putting on. As you said earlier, Lisa, um, they're not always the same, the inputs. 
No, they're definitely not all the same. And, you know, and the crops are all different. And that's the challenge that we find is is really getting into the detail of that nutrient management plan. And, you know, cows are very well effectively um, have a nutritionist generally, dairy cows in particular. And they will work on their diet throughout the winter and, and through the spring. And we're, they're doing silage analysis every month. Um, but the soil is an incredibly um, diverse um, uh, biological system. Um, but yeah, we're only testing that once every five years. So if we can get the level of attention onto soils that um, cows cows get, uh, my nutritionist friends will probably be poking me now. But you know, we that's what that's what um, you know we'd like. We'd like more focus on the soils and find out how we can really get that working well because there's so much potential in those soils out there and particularly in grassland soils with so much biology like you said mentioned about carbon they've got the you know the highest carbon stocks in in the country they're they're in my view they're the heroes you know i'm a grassland uh, agronomist and um we're storing um billions of tons of carbon under that soil with all those root systems we can be really we could be really you know motoring here with our grassland soils so um yeah we just need to keep that focus on getting that soil biology working as well as the uh, rumen does with our nutritionists. And for carbon sequestration, nitrogen is also important because mm. you need a balanced, a balanced carbon to nitrogen ratio to Absolutely. be able to maximize your yeah. carbon sequestration in the soil. My, my final comment would be that we must always remember food security and Britain is a net importer of, of food. so. We shouldn't be changing our agricultural systems for what we think might be human dietary reasons. We need to be actually thinking how can we make best use of what we've got to produce balanced and um, highly nutritious food for the human population. I just think, you know, as we're coming into the winter now and, and dairy cows are going to um, be on their winter diets, so focusing on that um, efficiency or what's what's the word, Katerina, you said it's not efficiency, optimising, optimising the, nutri- the nitrogen use. It's a, but it's the perfect time for planning for the spring for your cropping. So get those soil samples done. Look at areas where you can improve on your on your soils um, and plan your nutrient use for your crops for next year. It's not it is about nitrogen essential, but it's about balancing it. Where manures are stored inside, uh, sorry, are stored mm. because animals are inside that we um, look at making minimising the losses of um, nitrogen to the air as nitrous oxide or, or ammonia through um, putting some additives in, which your... Um, slurry, slurry bugs. Exactly. Type, can do yeah. that. So you can actually... Ca- any, any type of silage inoculant, I use the right and, word. And if you are adding... Slurry inoculant. If, if you're preventing nitrogen loss from those manures, there'll be more nitrogen in those manures when you put them on the land. It's like I paid him to say all this stuff. <laughs> right up your street, Lisa, this is. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Better cut me off, Seth. <laughs> <laughs> and if uh, you do want to go back and hear, we've uh, had previous podcasts talking about slurry additive and also about what you can do on farm to uh, make your soils less compacted to avoid less runoff. So uh, mm. go back and listen to the back catalogue, yes. the Mole Valley yes. Farmers podcast. Thanks ever so much for listening today. We'll be back soon with another agricultural update from Mole Valley Farmers. 
If you'd like to find out more about what we've been talking about today, then please visit molevalleyfeedsolutions.com. That's molevalleyfeedsolutions.com. And I'll speak to you soon.